as we go into the world of the haters. This is the Rich Eisen Show. I don't know what happened between Patrick Beverly and Chris Paul, but it is not cool between the two. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. CP can't guard nobody, man. What we call cone. The Rich Eisen Show. What does the cone do? Stay still. Exactly. Earlier on the show, CBS Sports broadcaster Jim Nance. Coming up, Basketball Hall of Famer Chris Bosch. Host of the Greenlight Podcast, Chris Long. Plus author Alan Shipnuck. And now... It's Rich Eisen. Well, we had a heck of a first hour of the program, and if you missed it, boy, um, you need to then check out our podcast later on. Go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Rich Eisen Show, as we kick off hour number two, a reminder uh, to uh, make sure you tune in for every last second here on Peacock or Sirius XM 85 or a Rich Eisen Show Terrestrial Radio Network or the Odyssey app, because you'll miss either A, Jim Nance calling in, to talk about the NFL schedule and then preview the PGA Championship he's about to call on CBS. Um, and also, um, I had no idea it was his birthday today. So he called in on his birthday, which is very nice to accept the invitation. Uh, also, we just found out Mike Del Tufo says he's not only faster than uh, Lawrence Taylor back in the day, um, but uh, he couldn't be, couldn't, couldn't be caught by Lawrence Taylor back in the day. And said uh, anybody who knew him back in the day should call in. And he said his brother should call in. And then his brother's either called in or no, it's a fake. It's a fagazi, it's Frank. Fake. It's a fake. Somebody's literally calling into the show acting Sit, like he's your brother. brother. Hey, what are we doing here? All right. Well, later on on this program, we'll either take that call or we won't. 844-204-RICH number to dial. We'll definitely take your phone calls, folks. Um, and uh, Chris Long, uh, formerly of the NFL, a guy who Brad Holmes, current uh, Lions GM, longtime Ram scout, said uh, Aiden Hutchinson reminds him of. Oh. Chris Long, uh, podcaster extraordinaire, will join us in the middle of this hour. Uh, Alan Shipnuck, who wrote the book on Phil <laughs> that caused Phil to uh, no longer be at the PGA Championship this week based on a lot of the stories that came out and the quotes that came out. Uh, he's going to join us in hour number three from the PGA Championship. Um, so, but with the Eastern Conference f- uh, final beginning tonight between the Celtics and the Heat, we figured let's go directly into the straight butter of this rivalry that was essentially born in 2010 um, when the Celtics beat the Heat and then the Heat wound up getting um, LeBron to join Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, and what a what a sequence of events that unfolded there. Let's stroll down memory lane right now on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line with the Basketball Hall of Famer from the Miami Heat and, of course, others. But joining us here on the Rich Eisen Show once again is Chris Bosh. How are you doing, Chris? Man, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fine. So when you stroll down memory lane between the Heat and the Celtics, you think what, Chris? Um, the closest thing you can get to a bar fight (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty much it huh yeah it you know they um that team we were all tremendous competitors um we all knew the stakes coming into that and that's what basketball competition is all about um and one of the best things was that we were all in the eastern conference you know sometimes when you get that that kind of flavor of uh of rivalry Sometimes it's only in the finals in the regular season, like, you know, Magic and Bird type stuff. You only get to see it so much. Uh, with those guys, uh, we were playing them 
we figured we'd see them eight to ten times a year. And um, each time was like the playoffs. You know, we had classic moments, uh, but at the same time, a preseason game would be very, very intense. And, you know, it was just um, it was just great looking back on it because, you know, playing, you, you want to play the best and you want to beat the best any time. Anytime, you know, you're, you're, you're playing basketball, in my opinion. So it was, uh, it is what brings the best out in you. Did the 2010 loss, um, in the first round to the Celtics lead, do you think, to LeBron coming? Do you think there's a direct correlation, Chris? Oh, yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, um, sometimes when you're in situations, it's, it's only so much, uh, you can do. And I mean, when they've got, you know, at the time, they've got Ray Allen and Paul Pierce and and Kevin Garnett. You uh, you can feel discouraged in the situation you're in, and and with the pressure that LeBron felt, and and I felt it too. You know, I wanted to be successful and win too. And you look at a team like that; they seemed impossible to beat. I mean, they had instant success um, in that first year, winning it all, and they pretty much set the tone. For, for how it was going to be in the Eastern Conference for the next four or five years. So, I mean, you know, I can't um, speak to what LeBron was going through in and, and Cleveland and stuff, but um, to get uh, disappointed year after year and have that pressure on you of, of, of trying to be like Michael Jordan or Kobe or people comparing you to that, um, it's tough. It's a very tough position to be in. And it's interesting that, you know, once you finally did the next year get past – the Celtics in 2011, uh, the Heat wound up and faced the Mavericks in the finals, which is something that could absolutely happen this time around. How did that vic- yeah. how did that victory in 2011 propel you guys, even though you lost in the finals, but the next year you saw the Celtics again and, and then eventually won it all? H- how much did that, oh, that win mean <laughs> for you? Well, we went to seven games with the Celtics that year. Um, I was hurt. Um, I actually had a growing tear, <laughs> which I had to come back from. And, and even in the game we came back from, Paul Pierce hits a shot to go up four. With, I think it was like four or five seconds left. We lose that game. Um, and we go down 3-2 going into Boston the year before that, played them in the playoffs, losing in the finals. Yeah, I mean, that showed us, like, there, there are levels. You have to stay very steady and – you know, the competition changes. Um, we kind of had a let up just a little bit and the Mavericks were a great team and they, they, they saw their opportunity and, and they beat us. Well, know, they, uh, they played the great basketball. Yeah. And then 2012, you mentioned you, you, you hurt yourself and, and, and that Eastern conference final and the Celtics won three in a row game six. You're in Boston. Walk me through that Eastern conference finals moment that led to you winning the, the, the last two games. LeBron was maybe the best he's ever been, would you say? Yeah, for sure. I, I, think, I think that's one of um, definitely one of the greatest games performances I've seen in person. Um, but, yeah, he, he um, anytime you're going into Boston, you're going to be worried, right? <laughs> we were worried. It was a serious situation. Uh, but you have to continue to have that faith. You have to believe. And, you know, his doubt never wavered. I know in my, from my perspective, I was just trying to play. You know, I was in so much pain, I didn't know what I'd be able to give to the team. So I'm kind of in my own mind of giving everything I can. And then I, I just remember probably about midway through the second quarter, I realized, like, man, this guy hasn't, hasn't missed. 
I, I was coming off the bench, and so I was playing um, the bench minutes and, you know, playing the five. I'm under the basket a lot. And, you know, crashing the offensive boards, I just stopped crashing because every time I went, you could see the ball going through the net like, wow, wow, like, man, this guy, has he missed yet? And then, you know, we're, we're in control of the game and, um, you know, we go in in halftime and we're feeling good, but we still have that sense of urgency to turn it up because we know no lead is safe in the TD Garden, you know. So uh, we continued to play and he just continued that stellar play. And it just felt good just to get out of Boston alive. To be honest with you, we had everything riding on that game. It had all come down to that one point because I couldn't imagine a future with that team losing. I mean, you know, I'm sure trades would have happened. Some Something would have happened to shake things up. But, you know, that just um, shows how great of a team we were. And, and you have to believe in those moments. Well, instead, Chris Bosch, um, uh, a transaction was made by the losing team in that Eastern Conference Finals uh, back in 2012 uh, after the Heat won in seven games and then went on to win the championship. Ray Allen leaves Boston to go to Miami, and as you know, that left quite a a hurt feeling that finally, just until right now, um, this season (laughs) finally got healed between Garnett and um, and Ray Allen, uh, how much of your did you were you part of any of the recruitment of Ray Allen back in that day, Chris Bosch? I mean, when you hear when you hear that we have a chance to get Ray Allen, we were all on board. Um, you know, he was coming in the free agency. We were looking to uh, upgrade our roster, of course, and you know you have to come back better in order to defend the championship, and that's all that was on our minds. Play with great players, great professionals. Uh, family men who want to come and want to win right away, and we felt uh, we were the you know the best team, obviously, winning the championship, and we wanted to make an appeal to Ray. So yeah, we probably we um, hit him from all corners. When when you have a chance to play with a guy like you know Ray Allen, you do everything within your power uh, to try to get him there. So yeah, we were hitting him from all fronts and. We knew eventually we've been in that position before. He was going to have to make a family decision. That's not easy, you know, moving your family, your children um, uh, to a different place. Uh, but, you know, he eventually made that choice. We we were obviously happy. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, part of the happiness, Chris, part of the happiness, not only because you won again the final year and then made the finals the next year, but, I, I, you know, I don't normally trade in 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 the the haterade, but why not just jump in here? The fact that Garnett got so pissed and it messed with the Celtics' mind so significantly did that add to the acquisition in your mind of Ray Allen to you no, guys? It, it was going to be hard enough beating those guys anyway. So the way we were looking at it was like, I, and I understand um, how that could be mad. I'm a competitor too. Uh, I've been in those situations where I had to get over uh, teammates moving on. You know, but it's so much more than just what happens on the court, right? We're all grown men. You have family lives and stuff like that. <laughs> but at the end of the day, as a competitor, I totally get it. Uh, but on our side, we're just trying. We're trying to get better. We're trying to defend the championship. And if we can get Ray Allen, we're getting Ray Allen. And you know, it it it, it happens, but it just shows how. You know how on their part they've grown to a point now where they can chop it up and still and still move on. The, the glory days are still there. They've been knowing each other since their South Carolina days. Mm. You know, so 
after the game, we're all grown men at the end of the day, and we have to move on with, with what, what we want to do. And so I think them just showing that you can move on and you can let bygones be bygones, that's a, that's a great thing, and it's great for the league. We got uh, Hall of Famer Chris Bosch here. A few more minutes left uh, here on the Rich Eisen Show as the Heat and Celtics renew a rivalry tonight uh, to start the Eastern Conference Final here uh, on the Rich Eisen Show. So, um, one of the aspects about you, Chris Bosch, with Dwayne Wade and LeBron was the sense that this young coach that nobody had really ever heard of, that Pat Riley handpicked in Eric Spolstra to be the guy, it was just, uh, he, he was just, a, he was a lucky guy, right? That he was there just when this all happened, all he had to do was roll the basketball <laughs> out. But now here he is still in the mix with this team um, and back in the Eastern Conference Final again. Uh, walk me through him and, and, and his fortitude and his staying power and why. Chris Bosch. I'm, I'm gonna and absolutely. I'm gonna give all the credit to Pat Riley and Spo, um, to Pat Riley for believing in Spo, because it was not easy for him when we first got there. When the big three got there, everybody was saying Pat Riley come down and coach, and it was on Pat Riley to say no. This is our coach. Um, you know he believed in him uh, from the jump, and, and you know that's a credit to Eric Spolster. He has put his work in. Uh, in this league, um, you know, from the film room to putting his time in on the bench as an assistant coach and learning the process, learning everything, of course, learning from the great Pat Riley and the Harrison family. Now he's being able to really <laughs> show how masterful he can be with it. Um, and he was, you know, he was a great coach back then. We all had a lot more growth to do, but you can see how much how much he's grown as a coach and how many other coaches have learned under his tutelage. I mean, you have, you know, Jawan Howard, who's the head coach, uh, of course, 17 champion, future Hall of Famer, of, of you know, doing his thing, uh, being in a head coaching position. Uh, we have Daniel Craig on the bench um, in Los Angeles uh, with the Clippers. You know, it, there have been many guys uh, to come from that system to go on and do great things. So, I mean, you know, it just shows, it's just a testament of, to how much he loves the game, um, how, much, how much he works at it, and how, and how hard he works. Um, he's, a, he's a great family man, always been a great dude. But, yeah, I'm going to give him his credit. Um, you, you know, he's gotten better, but it was really, really tough for him. He didn't, he couldn't just roll the ball out with us. You know, he had to, players have to be coached. I do believe in that. Players have to do their thing on the court, of course, right, performance-wise. But there's many, many things that um, that are done that coaches don't get credit for. Well, he certainly coaches guys hard. We know that, uh, even if they're the star player. i got to be honest with you, as we're here getting set for this Eastern Conference final tonight with Miami hosting it as the top seed in the Eastern Conference, uh, it's kind of amazing, certainly when Spolstra and Jimmy Butler had to be separated just a few weeks ago, Chris. <laughs> Right? Yeah. What was it what yeah. was your perspective on that one? Huh? Man, man. We've that is it's passion. This is the game. You know, I think it probably boiled over too much, of course. You don't want those things happening on the bench. Um, in the public eye, especially nowadays, there's cameras everywhere. 
But, you know, I uh, I joked with Spo when I saw him and I texted him just like, hey, that used to be like me and you back in the day. Huh? Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, and think about that. We used to we used to argue a lot because, you know, I'm coming from a place where I want the ball and, and I'm telling him to give me the ball. He's telling me to play defense on screen and rolls and, and space the floor. And, you know, it's just a difference in philosophies at the time. But. It was all, at the end of the day, it all comes from a good place. It all comes from a competitive place. If you both want to win, you, it might boil over, but at the end of the day, if you respect each other, if you respect the team, if you respect winning, bury the hatchet, and you'll be able to build and move on from that. And I think they've done that. So what do you think, before I let you go, uh, how everything plays out from here, Eastern, Western Conference Finals, and who wins? What do you think, Chris Bosch? What do you think? <sighs> Man, you know, history just seems to be repeating itself. Miami Palace again. I mean, part three, why not? You know, I think um, it's going to be a tremendous series. But I just think, you know, in the case of Miami and Boston, I think, you know, Miami has so much depth um, and they play such a unique style with that team uh, sort of style. I I think they will miss Kyle Lowry and who knows when he'll be able to play. But I still think... They can, which, you know, smart is out for the Celtics. So they're both missing pieces. But I, I think just the way that Miami can shoot the ball and the way they can penetrate, um, um, you know, and get some easy baskets, I look for Bam to have a very productive series um, with the way he can make plays. And, you know, in the case of uh, the Western Conference, and, you know, Dallas has such a unique style. Um, they did a, I mean, they did an incredible job in games six and seven playing Phoenix. I don't think anybody saw that coming. We knew they were pretty good, but I don't think anybody saw them being able to play that. They, and, you know, playing Jason Kidd, I mean, he's always been that kind of a mind in basketball. You know, I mean, he was definitely one of the main reasons why we came up short against them back in 2011. You know, so... I just, I mean, you know, why not have a Dallas, uh, Dallas Mavericks and Miami Heat final part three? Do huh? it again and, and let those guys duke it out. Yeah, the Mavs definitely yeah, surprised. The Mavs <laughs> definitely surprised a lot of people, but not Patrick Beverly, uh, Chris. Uh, Pat was all over that one. You heard that one? Yeah. I mean, you know. Hindsight is twenty twenty, right? <laughs> hmm. Hey, look, hey, uh, before, before I say goodbye to you, sir, um, you, you're you're. Your acceptance speech in the Hall of Fame um, and you telling us the story prior to your induction into the Hall of Fame that Pat Riley gave you a championship ring to help recruit you to Miami in 2010 in a Crown Royal bag. And we said, you know what, why don't you give it back to him during your speech? Uh, You did that. And um, uh, for Rich Eisen Show Consulting, we call it RES Consulting. That was a big moment for us. You might be part of our future PowerPoints um, here. How'd that go over with Pat when you handed it back oh, to him? It, it went great. He um he didn't he didn't even remember. He, <laughs> he was like, "Damn, man, you kept me like you know." <laughs> That's amazing. But I just I just love that story. Um and and it was yeah I appreciate that man. That was uh yeah yeah that was a good one. And and thank you uh thank you for the speech. I've gotten um, a lot of positive reaction and then you know writing my book and stuff like that we're really right. trying to put some great things together uh for people you know just trying to get some 
hear some stories about leadership, and, and it's really helping out. So, yeah, appreciate that. Now, look, at uh, Chris, you're, you're welcome here anytime. I love our conversations, and I guess if you're Pat Riley and you got all those rings, you forget you gave one out to somebody, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Yeah, oh, they sprawled all across one. Now, I might have taken it and been like, you know, like, let me get this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got a couple in your case with 11 All-Star appearances, and uh, appreciate the latest chat here, Chris. You be well. Enjoy the, the rest of the uh, – Rest of the series. Thanks a lot, man. Will do. The great Chris Bosch here on the Rich Eisen Show. Just dynamite. Love it. All right, let's take a break because lots to talk about with Chris Long as well. When we return on the Rich Eisen Show, one of the best to do it in the NFL. And now certainly with his own podcast, Green Lights, Chris Long, when we come back. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs costs all in before you purchase so all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Hey, folks, it's time for the NFL draft, which means for me, I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, I'm just not myself. You know the deal. You know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So sleep number helps me. My sleep number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, Terrestrial, along with Sirius XM and also NBC Sports on Peacock, one of our favorite guests. He hosts a highly popular podcast that I've guested on, and he joins us once again on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line, the man who hosts the Green Light Podcast, the great Chris Long. How you doing, Chris? What's up, Rich? What's the word, man? Well, I mean, we've been having some interesting conversation here. Uh, had Jim Nance on earlier, talked about the schedule. Um, what else are we doing? We got you got a lot going on around here. How are NBA, you doing? NBA playoffs tonight, Rich. You know, oh, yeah. The, the NBA playoffs. This has been a lot of fun. I mean, even though the Game 7 stunk, hockey had the best Game 7 Sunday. Okay. But it was awesome. Okay. All that. Uh, also, got a got a buddy here uh, on the show who uh, said back in, uh, back in his day he was faster than Lawrence Taylor. He said that. Um, he said that. Mike, you want to just uh, chime in here? Uh, Chris, I've said that. I'm, I'm very good friends with your father. You know Howie. I'm yeah. your father. Yeah. So. Being a, uh, a cross-country runner that I could easily have stayed up 
or if not beaten Lawrence Taylor in a race. I was in like the top probably 10, 15 cross-country runners in my state, and I ran track for three years of, of high school and played hockey and weighed probably about 115, 20 pounds. You know guys like this, right, Chris? Yeah, yeah, sure. Like for you're talking distance running, you could be Lawrence Taylor, but you're saying in a like off the yeah, well, you know like a five seven yard ten yard split. Uh, yeah, I'm saying about ten. <laughs> I give you ten yards. I take ten yards. I would take him. I'm telling you. You were asking us earlier what his forty time was. I want to, yeah. Chris. Being honest, I always argue with people in bars all the time because they always come up and they want to argue about how Everything. they see you guys on on TV and they're like, oh, I could tackle it. This isn't that type of argument. This is if Lawrence Taylor got me, he'd kill me. I, I won't even doubt that. But he would never, yeah. But he would never got you. I, he would never get me. That's the fact. I would run away from him. He wouldn't call me. That's that's my that's what I was saying. You know who thought that? Well, Joe Theismann. Hopefully, you never have to find out. That's yeah. the great part about this. <laughs> that is the great part about this is that we can never go back in time. But you, you must. Do you have people who come up to you and say stuff like that to you, Chris? And your day? Yeah, but like honestly, I'm not Lawrence Taylor, so there's a good chance maybe somebody could beat me in a race. Oh, come on now. You're Chris Long, though. I mean, I know, but we're talking about LT. And, you know, like when I first heard that, I thought I thought this guy must be on drugs. He's, he thinks he can beat Lawrence Taylor in a. In, in a race, but obviously he's he's coherent and he just really believes that. <laughs> what's that Costanza lie? What's it, what's that Costanza it's lie? lie? It's, it's not a lie. It's not a lie if you believe it. So I believe it. Yeah, yeah, that's the key. Okay, very good. Uh, hey, look, uh, we had Brad Holmes of the Lions front office on the show the other day. <laughs> I you, heard that. you heard about that, right? And he, he you know he goes back to his uh, uh, St. Louis Rams days. And scouted you, and he said Aiden Hutchinson is uh, Chris Long in his mind. That's what he said. What a shock. What a shock, huh? <laughs> Why do you say that, Chris? Why do you They're say that? They're all me, huh? They're all me. We can't get a Nick Bosa in here. We can't get, like, a, you know, like, a, you know, Cole Nassib or, you know, like, a, 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 when did we skip Kyle Vandenbosch and all these guys? Why does it always have to be me? I don't know. Maybe you're you're the you're the ultimate standard. Maybe it's that, Chris. <laughs> so, so Could here's the deal. Brad Holmes is the man. Like Brad Holmes used to be in St. Louis, really cutting his teeth like early on. And so when he got the Detroit job, I was super psyched for him. But I was pretty funny the story he said that uh, you know, uh Aiden had a, a jug of water <laughs> and I had like a gallon jug of water when, when when he met uh me and Aiden respectively for the first time and so that uh that that, that makes sense. That the comp is complete. We're both hydrated. <laughs> Well, no, you are. I, I love I love Aiden Hutchinson, man. He's a he's a ball player, dude. The the thing is, I I just don't like. I've met Aiden Hutchinson in person. He's been on my show. Then I met him at the draft. Met his parents. They're awesome. Um, and he was just he dwarfed me. I mean, like it's the same thing when somebody caught me to Max Crosby. I stand next to Max Crosby. I feel like a kid. So I think sometimes these comps are a little bit. But hey, Brad Holmes is the one who who broke me down and broke Aiden down as well. And and if that's the comp, so be a good. I guess good for him. I, some people would say not good for him, but, um, you know, I don't know how many people watch me play in St. Louis, and probably the same people aren't going to watch him play in Detroit. What do you think of the uh, Jaguars' decision to go with Walker over Hutchinson, Chris? What do you uh, think of that It seemed one? like a bulky kind of decision, right? Hmm. Like, you know, you want, you want that kind of physical upside, you know, the testing numbers, that sort of thing. I really like Trayvon Walker. I think, like, if you look at Trayvon Walker and – and he was playing in the early 2000s, late 90s. There's a lot more guys that look like him, uh, you know, from a size and, and a length standpoint. And, like, he, he's a little bit built like an old-school 
kind of 4-3 defensive end before it got real rushery the last 10, 15 years. But, like, um, this dude is, yeah, he's sideline to sideline fast, so he's going to clean up a lot of plays. Um, you know, you're kind of projecting upside as you do with some of these, like, Georgia-type players that maybe that scheme wasn't real conducive to him making a lot of plays. The kid at Florida State who Joe Douglas got, your guys at, mm. what, 17, Rich, he didn't show out at Georgia. I think, like, you're always projecting upside. The only concern I have is, like, when you take a guy that high, and this is coming from a guy that missed a lot of sacks in the NFL, like win a rush, miss a sack, fall off the quarterback, I don't think he's the best finisher. So, you know, if you're looking up at the end of year two and three and you're trying to justify by sack numbers, sometimes you might look at Trayvon Walker and say, well, the sacks don't add up, but he probably disrupted a whole lot more than he's going to get the credit for on the, on the stat sheet. So I like the pick. Uh, my favorite upside player was obviously the guy the Giants got. I think Kayvon, uh, none of the stuff that I heard, you know, as far as like interviews or his, his confidence is if that's a bad thing would scare me away from grabbing a kid like that. So I think with Wink and everything, that's a really good pick there too. What do you mean by upside? What do you mean? Oh, what, what I mean by upside is like when you draft Aiden Hutchinson, the reason they're comparing Aiden Hutchinson to me is you, you, yeah, I hear the word like safe a lot. Like the, you know, the upside isn't there. I always think of myself as a guy that probably, you know, played out as like a top 10 to 15 player and, you know, not a number two or number three or number four pick. So, you know, the, the floor is not real low with Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, but the ceiling with, with Thibodeau is so high because of his kind of twitchiness, of his burst, of his like kind of bend around the edge. I think he's real fluid, and uh, he projects as kind of a, an edge guy purely. Uh, but the thing I think that, that people like about Hutchinson, and maybe a reason that Brad might compare us, is I was a 3-4 defensive end at, at, at Virginia, and it took me a year and a half to figure out how to play on an edge. Um, but the good side of that is in the prime of my career, I played in a four eye in Greg, Greg Williams defense. So, you know, you can do a lot of stuff with, with Aiden Hutchinson. He might not have the upside from a sack total, uh, standpoint as like a pure four, three rusher and outside backer, but you're going to be able to move him around and he's going to set the edge and play, play the run as well. And also the upside is that, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau might not be, uh, able to, uh, beat Mike Del Tufo in a running race, right? Being for the Giants and. Well, right. that we can find out right now. Well, I guess we won't be able to compare the generations, Mike, uh, right? I'm like a little the, bigger than I right, was no, back okay. then. Understood. <laughs> Understood. We'll just have to stipulate, uh, Chris Long here on the Rich Eisen show. Okay. So, um, I, I I can't believe Baker Mayfield is sitting around waiting to find out his future right now. What what, what about you? As we're in the middle you of May, you can't believe that. No, I can't. I'm surprised. Yeah, okay, I don't know. It, we just got we came from the like you know. You think quarterbacks don't grow on trees? This is a guy who led Cleveland to the playoffs. You know, um, basically, I mean, you look at that jersey with all the, the the guys' names taped on the back, the Cleveland Browns jersey. You know, that's the thing that's gone viral the past couple of years. They like to all the quarterbacks that have failed there over the last 20 years. He's probably, ironically, the guy who's had the most success, but he's going to end up being the most hated. And I kind of, I don't know that I feel bad for him because, you know, we, we make decisions that we make, like playing hurt is a calculated risk. It's one that I would tell guys who are financially secure and have a situation where they can afford to, to be safe. Uh, I would counsel younger guys to, to not do that, um, and obviously you see why, because nobody cares that he was hurt, right? Um, I believe he was hurt, but nobody cares, and that's the risk you take. 
you think, hey, that's that's going to put me in better standing with the organization, respect among my peers, all this, that, and the third. But uh, fast forward a year, and and he's getting ripped apart for going on podcasts and 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 talking about X, Y, Z, and he can't find a home. So it sucks. Uh, but this is the the risk he took. Um, and I got to say this, like Baker Mayfield, he's made a lot of mistakes. He said some things that I believe he probably wants back. But I never heard anybody hate Baker Mayfield until he started sucking at football. So my thing is, like, it's about performance. Um, you know, if he can get healthy and he can get one more opportunity, I'm not saying I'm betting on him turning it around 100%, but I'm sure you'll see something north of what we saw this last year, and I think he got pretty toxic in in Cleveland, I don't blame him for not going to the Bahamas and, sh- and stuff like that. Hmm. You right. know, it's like uh, I think he's going to sit for a while. I think because of the, the recent developments with, um, you know, the league and looking closer into this Deshaun Watson stuff, uh, you know, before the civil cases are, are, are wrapped up or, you know, concluded, um, I think this is going to be a situation where maybe we're going to see a suspension this year. That's what people are speculating. So he probably won't move. Maybe he doesn't move. Or maybe Carolina's got a really good poker face or Seattle has a really good poker face. But you could see him start multiple games for Cleveland this year in one of the most awkward situations uh, probably in the last five years but, when it comes to quarterback. But I, I wouldn't want to do that if I was him. And I, and I understand you got to take an opportunity when you can get it. But my pushback on that would be uh, he, he just played for them hurt and look what happened. What 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 if what if he's out there again and you know and suddenly he's he's like yeah my arm hurts and I I, I did this the last time uh, and look what happened to me I'm not going to do that again for you certainly for a team that's going to bench me after six seven eight weeks so I'm out put Jacoby Brissett in there anyway and I'll just stand there with an earbud in my in my ear and he's really hurt and everybody now thinks he's jaking it you know what I'm saying yeah, like this no, can go it's, so it's, sideways that and I wouldn't yeah. trust it anymore I just say my best opportunity is to sit on the couch and everyone wonder what I would look like in their uniform why give them anything to hang their hat on after okay. that happened, I mean you right? could, you could go about things that way no question but where's his leverage man like nobody wants him right now and you think it's going to change I mean like maybe somebody's going to get hurt and that that's inevitably going to happen and somebody's going to have to reach for him you know before the trade deadline but I don't know rich man you know, I'm putting myself in those shoes. Like, you could convert some of that that anger into productivity and try to use the Browns and their need for you, legitimate need for you, because they think they're a contender next year. And if Deshaun comes back week seven, week eight, they're thinking, hey, if we're four and three, we can make a run at home field advantage. Or if we get out of this thing, you know, above 500, you know, they need Baker Mayfield. So it's in their best interest for him to succeed. And it's in his best interest for, for him to succeed as well. So I feel like, yeah, you could look at it that way, but you might be cutting your nose off, you know, despite your face. A couple more minutes left with Chris Long here on the Rich Eisen Show. When I saw that Russell Wilson was going to get his first game as a Bronco in Seattle, I thought to myself, well, that'll be a terrific game to watch. I mean, that is just going to be get your popcorn ready type stuff. And then I started thinking about Russell Wilson instead of me being a fan sitting on the couch talking about Monday Night Football. I thought that was like zero chill, right? For or for out of the schedule makers, or would you, Chris Long, think that just get it out of the way? I'm hearing that philosophy as well. What you what do you oh, think yeah, about yeah. this? I would say get it out of the way because I don't think Seattle is going to be very good. You know, um, now I don't think I'm going on a limb saying that, but I would right. say get it out of the way, right? There's so many great storylines and you know, awkward handshakes we can weave into the schedule. And, um, you know, we get 
We get the commanders, uh, you know, hosting Doug Peterson. So you get Carson and the commanders. You get a whole bunch. I went through it the other day. And, yeah, it's one thing the NFL is very good at is kind of weaving these storylines and the sports calendar and all that stuff. I mean, just even us talking about the schedule with the uh, kind of enthusiasm that we were last week. Yeah. You know, there's the NBA playoffs going on, and we're we're looking at what a bunch of 18-year-olds chefed up on Adobe, you know, to throw out for the schedule release post. Like that was that was the talk of the day. So I think the NFL's got this nailed. You're not going Taylor Lewan on me, are you? Saying that no, uh, dude, that it's overrated. Way, that was absolutely brutal. <laughs> my 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 response to him about being yeah, a- that was funny. I had to. I hit him up right away. I mean, that was just to check on him, see if he needed some water. <laughs> you're a good water guy like that. Water boys, yeah, right? I, I mean, you're, Stay hydrated. you got to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I texted him, too, to say, hey, man, like, you know, uh, all good. I hope you're fine. You know, and he was the Michigan, the Michigan on Michigan. Stuff, I know. Dude. I know. Yeah, I know. I. But he, he knows I love him and his show, even though it has no motor. But and it doesn't have a motor, it, dude. I was just there. <laughs> it, it still does not have a motor, right, Chris? It doesn't no, have a motor? Not, they, no, that thing's not pulling off that lot anytime soon. Could you imagine if they put a motor in that thing and then took it around the country? They, oh, they'd people, take over the world. They would. I know. I'm just trying to help that, and improve that things. That Will Compton guy. Yes. <laughs> That's my, that's my other favorite bit, as you know. Uh, last thing for you, Chris. Uh, you, you've seen Tom Brady uh, be Tom Brady when he's not in front of a camera and he's in front of folks like you and he's being uh, Tom yeah. Brady. And, um, and, and so everybody's ascribing the Brady that will show up into the booth when he's finally done is going to be the guy who tells you nothing 90 to 100% of the time because that's the guy who has been face forward and face front the entire time. What? How? How, how good a, a job do you think he's going to do uh, in the booth? Well, again, like, listen, the media. We had went through this whole thing last week where some people were a little bit upset about the Tom thing or thought he was making too much money. I just want to say this: like, the media is not a meritocracy, right? You know that, Rich. Yes. Like, you know, like, there's, it's entertainment, so it's how much can you move the needle? And Tom Brady's going to move the needle a lot. So first and foremost is that. Secondly, I think, you know, the market's going to change. I mean, he could play another three years. Like, we haven't even confirmed those numbers. Like, the market could change. It's like, you know, the wide receiver market or something. So I think they're going to eventually get a good, hopefully a good value out of this. And I think Tom's going to be better than people think. I really do. Um, The wildest thing is, like, he went on the Manning cast, right, to kind of show his his skills off or, like, kind of dip his toe in the water. And now he's taking one of these network seats. So I don't think we're going to see Peyton in one of those seats anytime soon. And I really wanted to see Peyton. Um, It's just an interesting deal. It's an interesting musical chairs deal. It's like the same thing with Drew Brees. And, you know, like the news that came out this week and Chris Collins were signing extension. Like these are very coveted seats. So I get how there's a lot of pressure on Tom to to be great at it. But Tom's going to be great at it just by sitting down in the chair. Like he's going to move the needle effectively. And I do think he's interesting. I do think he's... He's funny. He's not, you know, he's got his own personality. He's not going to be Romo. Um, I think he can be just as good as Romo and just as, uh, you know, if you want to look at like what's the value of plopping a quarterback into a chair right out of, you know, right off the the field, like look at what Romo's done. And, uh, and that's a really good kind of, I don't know, sign for the future for Tom Brady. Of course. And did a great job. He made a bunch of money right out of off the field 
into the booth. So I think a lot of these guys do a pretty good job. I do feel for Greg Olson, you know, because I think Greg Olson's the number one. Well, I think, but so do I. Uh, and and I, I would be surprised, although crazier things had happened, that he won't be in the booth for Super Bowl this year. I think he and uh, Burkhardt are terrific. Listen, I love the two of them together. I don't know. I, uh, I, I don't know what Fox's plans are there. Um, and I agree with you. Uh, what I was saying here is that there's not a single situation that Brady could be uh, asked about during a game that he won't have an answer for. Exactly. Or, or a scenario like, hey, Tom, uh, what's it like to, to be a young guy driving down the field to win a Super Bowl? What's it like to be an old guy driving down the field to win a Super Bowl? What's it uh, uh, like uh, trying to win back-to-back? What's it like trying to win three in a row? What's it like uh, not having won one at all and then winning one? What's it like, you know, being uh, well, he down? Well, can't tell you about being down. Well, he has been down 25 points in the Super Bowl, but he can't <laughs> tell you about being down a bunch of, you know, going one in 15 or two in 14. That's the only blind spots. That's true. But. Right. I think it's all about, like you said, it's like the the way games are called, they're changing. And I think it's on the, you know, Burkhart, who's awesome, to tee him up to tell stories and to relate what's going on on the field to, like, you know, um, anecdotes from his playing career. It's not as much like, hey, you know, we do want to hear what the corner was doing in cover two and that sort of thing, and he'll be nails on that. But if he can mix in, like, colorful stories and, you know, almost – do the game when appropriate, like a podcast. Like, that's the way things are going. So I think Tom's going to be very good. I agree with you. Chris, thanks so much, man. Greatly appreciate it. I love doing your show and uh, have me on anytime you want. And uh, look for my call, as always. We will hit you up, brother. Thank you. I'll be here. That's uh, the great Chris Long, at Joel91, all spelled out except for the nine on Twitter, and at LaFlamaBlanca95 on Instagram right here on The Rich Eisen Show. All right, everybody, uh, let's take a break. When we come back, it's the draft lottery tonight. NBA draft lottery. Freeze those envelopes when we come back. (laughs) Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, 844-204-RICH, number to dial here on the program, the Callaway Rogue ST driver that's out there for you. There's one of four that definitely suits your game. Let's say you need more shot shape correction because you're a little bit too far right off the tee. You need a dedicated draw model, boom, Max D. Let's say you need a little bit more forgiveness off the tee because, uh, look, golf is not forgiving enough. Maybe you need a little bit more distance, boom, the Max, that's yours. Max. Maybe you need something more stronger trajectory. Neutral ball flight off the tee. Want something more low spin because you can do that sort of thing with your golf game. Max LS, boom. Maybe you think, uh, you know what? I got some game. I'm a stick. Maybe there's something I could scratch. Right? Maybe Maybe I'm giving out too much candy. Too much. I'm a true player. 
Rogue ST Triple Diamond LS. Tour players love it. Boom, that's yours. Callaway's thought through every aspect of speed, so all you got to do is go rogue. Find your Rogue ST driver at callawaygolf.com slash go rogue. I got to be honest with you, and, and this is kind of sad oh. as a Nick fan. Um, in my, what, 40 years of being a Nick fan, um, up until, you know, you know who got dragged out of the, <laughs> the garden. One of the great, ask a Nick fan, top five moment for you was Patrick Ewing coming to the Knicks in the draft lottery. I remember where I was. I was in the back of my safari, blue safari, uh, a powder blue safari, Pontiac safari station wagon. Facing backwards? No, oh. I was facing forward. You oh, could. There was an option. There was an option. We had a backward option. Those the there best. was an option. Made famous by my buddy Foots, vomiting out the back. Foots. <laughs> Because we went on the scrambler ride, you know, as oh, on my yeah. birthday, the scrambler Scrambles goes all lot. around. He was getting elbowed in the side, boop, out the back. <laughs> That's not the point of this story. No, I'm sorry. I remember <laughs> where I was, listening to uh, uh, 10 10 wins, most likely, in the car. Joel behind the wheel, Ev sitting shotgun, me and my brother in the back, and we heard the Knicks had gotten the top pick in the draft lottery. Little did we know, because we knew it was Patrick Ewing coming, and we were all Big East fans of the greatest. Greatest, greatest. Little did we know, uh, a lot of tinfoil hats would be worn that uh, David Stern had somebody put the, an envelope in a freezer. Because back in the day, kids, this is all done in the back now. <laughs> Nobody sees it. There used to be like this big bowling for dollars type plastic terrain that they would just roll like you're, like a bingo game it's the best way to remember that it, yeah right and then he would just and then he would reach in and david stern he'd be like the alex trebek of his day he's like a game show host picking out the envelope placing it under the number of the draft choice and then so on and so forth and then he would stand there and open the envelope and smile <laughs> worst game show host ever honestly he was perfect for what he did it was great and he just stood there and i remember the knicks logo would come out of the envelope because i saw it later on it's just the greatest thing ever now it's a different story. Now that sort of stuff is done behind the scenes, and then they announce it one by one, and there's a representative for the team that's there. Dave DeBusher was representing the Knicks back in the day, so there's still representatives today. Now you just I, – I, that's, that's the thing to me. Who's it going to be? Could be a former player. Could be somebody from the front office. Yeah, it could be quickly. It could let's be just not one forget. Of the young guys. Let's not forget the moment that Mallory Eden showed up and launched a million Instagram follows. You know who I'm talking about, Chris. Wait, who? And, and uh, <laughs> why am I blanking on her name from uh, oh, the Hawks. Jamie Gertz? Jamie Gertz. Yeah. From uh, Less Than Zero or? Lost Boys. Lost Boys. I was watching that yesterday. Yeah, her. Seinfeld, Spare Square. There you go. Could you spare a square? We had her on the show, Jamie we Gertz. We did. We did. Fantastic. Square pegs. Put up the list. This is who's the, uh, on the uh, on the podium tonight. Oh, what do we got? Hornets represented by P.J. Washington. Anderson Verajao for the Cleveland hey. Cavaliers, people. Hey, Rip. Rip Hamilton. Your buddy. My yeah. buddy, Rip Hamilton. Representing the Pistons. The current Rockets GM, Raphael Stone. Pacers assistant general manager. What? Okay. Is that like the Costanza of this? <laughs> Swin Cash Canal, nice. the VP of Basketball Ops of the Pelicans. <laughs> William Wesley, Executive Vice President and Senior Basketball uh, Advisor of the Knicks. Worldwide West. Oh. Worldwide West, wow. baby. Wow. 
Nick Collison, Thunder. Le- he's being called a Thunder Legend. Thunder Legend. Yeah. All right. Okay. We'll accept it. I mean, Jeff Weltman, president of basketball operations of the Magic. I think I was once in bunk 11 with a Jeff Weltman in Camp Laconda. <laughs> Damian Lillard will Big rep time. the Blazers. DeMontis Sabonis. He's on the Kings now. David Robinson Woo! for the Spurs. By the way, he's listed as Spurs legend and strategic partner. Good thing it's strategic partner because if we're going legend for legend, Nick Collison and David <laughs> Robinson, that's not know. a fair fight. Yeah. <laughs> and the Wizards send in their, uh, their head coach, Wes Unsell Jr. Nice. That's tonight's representatives on screen for the draft lottery. Oh, baby. Of course, there's also more pertinent information as to the odds as to who's got the say, best chance. I was going to say, do you, do you want the odds? Do you, do you want the odds? Please have it, Christopher. All right, the Rockets, Magic, and Pistons have the same odds. They 14%. Are about, they're about 6 to 1. All right. Oh, I'm talking about the gambling odds. Oh. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the regular percentages to make people understand. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing. It just gives kind you a better the idea. Kind of the, uh, the Thunder, 12.5%. Pacers ten and a half percent. Boy, did, how 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 many percentage points did the uh, did the uh, Pacers get for sitting Miles Turner for as long as they did? Yeah. Lillard sat forever. Nine uh, percent. Lillard's going to sit straight up in his chair because that core surgery definitely came in Ohio. to play. Um, Sacramento Kings seven and a half percent. The Pelicans six percent. That's the, they win, as you know. That's the Pelicans always win the draft lottery. And the Cavs, uh, Spurs four and a half percent, Wizards three percent, the Knicks are milk two percent, two percent, fifty to one. If you want to, Oklahoma lay down City Thunder through the Clippers one and a half percent. That's the Olawa Candy percentage right there. The Hornets one percent, and the Cleveland Cavaliers half a percent, which is why they could only get Anderson Varejao to go right. What do you think? But they might what do you win. think? Mark Price is like, I'm not going. Half percent? You don't have to drag my ass to sit out there and smile for half a percent. Kevin Love? Kevin Love's like, forget it. I'm going to hang out with Kate. I'm not going there for half a percent. Who? Right. <laughs> like, you don't, like you don't know what I'm Please. talking about, sir. Just in case Sarah's sitting at home watching you I mean, in whatever the hell you're wearing. You want to talk about this right out. now? I'm not dumb enough to actually like their photos, like some people in the room. <laughs> I can like a Kate Bop photo. What are you talking about? I know, but it's just like... Sir, no. while you were out on the shelf, Susie's sitting in that chair talking about Steve, Steve Kerr. Kerr. And, and I'm sitting here. And dude's calling on the phone, hitting on your wife yeah, while you're yeah, sitting there. Like, with disrespect. I had to tell him, boy. I was like, Rich is here. You yeah. know that, right? Yeah. Is, is Steve Kerr attractive? I mean, apparently. Yeah. We're not, you know, huh. apparently. What's more disrespectful? <laughs> Guys hitting on my wife when I'm sitting here or what Pat Beverly did to Chris Paul? Oh, They're equal man. parts. Twitter Paul. Is- <laughs> oh, equal parts disrespect. <laughs> and that's our coverage of the draft lottery. <laughs> 